Convention Friends. The episode you're about to hear was created prior to the enactment of the Well-Ordered Society Act. It is maintained here as a record, an archive, and a legacy of the wandering aimlessness that preceded our current predicament. It represents one step of many on the evolutionary journey from inherited defaults to holy, blessed, righteous surrender in the service of play. Enjoy. A specter is haunting the modern world. The specter of crypto-anarchy. Computer technology is on the verge of providing the ability for individuals and groups to communicate and interact with each other in a totally anonymous manner. Two persons may exchange messages, conduct business, and negotiate electronic contracts without ever knowing the true name or legal identity of the other. Interactions over networks will be untraceable. The extensive rerouting of encrypted packets and tamper-proof boxes which implement cryptographic protocols with nearly perfect assurance against any tampering. Reputations will be of central importance, far more important in dealings than even the credit ratings of today. These developments will alter completely the nature of government regulation the ability to tax and control economic interactions, the ability to keep information secret, and will even alter the nature of trust and reputation. The technology for this revolution, and it surely will be both a social and economic revolution, has existed in theory for the past decade. The methods are based upon public key encryption, zero-knowledge interactive proof systems, and various software protocols for interaction, authentication, and verification. The focus has until now been on academic conferences in Europe and the U.S., conferences monitored closely by the National Security Agency. But only recently have computer networks and personal computers attained sufficient speed to make the ideas practically realizable. And the next 10 years will bring enough additional speed to make the ideas economically feasible and essentially unstoppable. High-speed networks, ISDN, tamper-proof boxes, smart cards, satellites, KU band transmitters, multi-MIPS personal computers, and encryption chips now in development will be some of the enabling technologies. The state will, of course, try to slow or halt the spread of this technology, citing national security concerns, use of the technology by drug dealers and tax evaders, and fears of societal disintegration. Many of these concerns will be valid. Crypto-anarchy will allow national secrets to be traded freely and will allow illicit and stolen materials to be traded. An anonymous computerized market will even make possible abhorrent markets for assassinations and extortion. Various criminal and foreign elements will be active users of CryptoNet, but this will not halt the spread of crypto-anarchy. Just as the technology of printing altered and reduced the power of medieval guilds and the social power structure, so too will cryptologic methods fundamentally alter the nature of corporations and of government interference in economic transactions. Combined with emerging information markets, crypto-anarchy will create a liquid market for any and all material which can be put into words and pictures. And just as seemingly minor intervention like barbed wire made possible the fencing off of vast ranches and farms, thus altering forever the concepts of land and property rights in the frontier west, so too will the seemingly minor discovery out of an arcane branch of mathematics come to be the wire clippers which dismantle the barbed wire around intellectual property. Arise. You have nothing to lose but your barbed wire fences. That, my dear friends, 
was the Crypto Anarchist Manifesto, attributed to Timothy May. And uh, originally, I think, put out into the world in the 80s, late 80s, around 1988, according to this uh, webpage I'm reading, which is where I sourced it. So thank you, Timothy May, for the predictions and a little bit of social anxiety uh, about crypto anarchy, the specter of crypto anarchy and, and what it will mean for the disrupted power structures. For those of you who know me, uh, you may know that I am a true believer, as they say, uh, in crypto. When I say crypto, I mean what the crypto anarchist manifesto means when it says crypto. Crypto in terms of cryptography. Um, you know, you hear people refer to cryptocurrency. Um, I, I don't, I try not to use that term strictly because I want people to understand that it's cryptography. Um, I mentioned in the last episode that I'm a big fan of technology and that's true. However, in, in college, I studied math. I have my bachelor's of science degree in math. I did enough computer sciences where if minors were truly a thing that I, I had a computer science minor, but our school didn't really do that. So I have a, a math degree and, um, I'm certainly no, you know, PhD mathematician. So I get my math wrong a lot. Um, but um, I don't. I don't like to simplify cryptography and 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 what every, everything that goes into that by condensing it down into this like hyper speculative, basically gambling box that is cryptocurrency. So here we are. Uh, I have been asked by skeptical friends uh, who knew that I was once upon a time a skeptic. I guess uh, why I am into crypto. Uh, I have had people within the crypto industry ask. I feel like it's kind of a, uh, one of the social mores you kind of see in the crypto world is folks asking, hey, when did you get in? Because there's a sort of a aristocracy, I guess, of, of how, how dyed in the wool are you uh, based on when you first got in. And then, you know, there's people who ask, uh, you know, what is it about crypto that excites you? You know, what crypto do you hold? What are you into? You know, it's, it's a very... Uh, it's almost like asking about someone's fetishes a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like part of how this podcast has gone so far is really me taking questions that get asked of me uh, relatively often by people who I want to be able to answer and trying to distill an answer to those questions in a way that, hey, I can kind of just put out there into the world in case other people feel similarly so they can know that, hey, someone else out there feels the same way. But also in the event that, uh, you can try on my eyes for a day and see the world the way I see it. Perhaps there's something you might take away that, you know, you would not have taken away if I didn't share with you. So that's what we're here today to talk about. Uh, crypto, cryptography, crypto economics. I'll, I'll, I'll grant crypto economics is a term I'll use. Cryptocurrency is still a bit, it's still a bit of a bridge too far for me um, because currency kind of has a, you know, there's baggage that comes with that term. Um, so I want to start this with, I'm a mathematician and I want to, I want to say to two camps to the mathematicians out there. I say that almost tongue in cheek. I have a piece of paper that says I have a degree in math, but this is not a math podcast. I'm not going to dig into math where the non-math people out there. I'm also saying to you, I'm not going to dig this into math. Um, in fact, I set a goal. So normally when I record these episodes, I don't actually have a goal. Normally, when I record them, I kind of just sit down and I, I vomit um, from the heart. I vomit with the heart. And then afterwards, I, with my editor, 
um, and by editor, I just mean the software I use to edit. I, I, I sweep up the vomit. I mop it up. So Ableton is like my, my little, my little vomit mop. So I vomit out into it usually for about an hour and a half. And then I mop it all up into something that's like an hour or 45 minutes. Um, and I'll actually take the climb to clarify that right now that there actually isn't a set length that I want these episodes to be. Um, it really is literally my convenience. Like what is my patience to sit down and edit? I know where that line is. And so the line is with about 90 minutes of audio, um, I'm willing to trim down to about, you know, around 60 minutes of digestible content. Anyway, um, this is not going to be a math paper. Uh, I set a goal for myself that I cannot get any more complicated than one plus one equals two. So um, I'm going to hold to that. I'm going to try to the extent that there's any need to explain math behind crypto cryptography. Um, I'm not going to get any more complicated than one plus one equals two. And fun fact, I actually considered whether or not counting was something I needed to bring into the mix. Uh, and I decided that counting is more complicated than one plus one equals two. You ever want to know why? Uh, you got to have a beer with me someday and I can explain it. if you're not a mathematician. I think if I feel like if you're a mathematician, you can understand why counting is more complicated than one plus one equals two. Um, and, you know, we teach counting before we teach one plus one equals two, I think. But I think one plus one equals two is more intuitive than counting. That's sort of right. I'm not going to go there. This is not again. This is not a math podcast. That's again. That's about as math nerding as I'll get. Although I have to say, if I if I do some math nerding out, I apologize because I know that doesn't resonate with everybody. As I mentioned in the last episode, I'm a technologist, I'm a hacker. Um, so I, I, there's, some, there's a bunch of nerdy concepts that just all fucking collide in crypto and it's great. Um, so I have a goal. No, we can't get any more complicated with than one plus one equals two in the math for this. So I'm going to hold myself to that. And anything that gets more complicated than that, I will cut out with my, my editing mop. Um, and then the other goal is, because again, up to this point, the episodes haven't had any goal. They're... Um, insights, their flavors in the feast of ideas. I want you to try this one is, is one where I really do want it to be like, Hey, this meal, this particular meal, this particular set of flavors is something I hope you will at least taste and you'll walk away from it with, even if not appreciation for the appreciation for these flavors, you'll walk away from it with maybe a better understanding about flavors you value, right? That's, that would make me happy. That, will, that is what would fill me with the most gratitude to you. Um, normally coming into these, my grat- I have gratitude for you, dear listener, before I get here. This time I'm, I'm asking, um, asking you as, as a partner in this, uh, that you give me a reason to be grateful by walking away from this, understanding flavors in this feast of ideas that you enjoy, even if you don't understand the flavors that I am presenting here. So cryptography. Crypto, crypto economics, um, even, you know, I'll even say it, cryptocurrency. Why? Why? Why crypto? What's wrong with, with regular old money? And this is where, like, for me, cryptocurrency is, it's like, it's, it, before the races even started, it shot itself in the foot. So that's the question. I haven't been asked that. What's wrong with regular old money? Why, why do we need crypto, right? Um, cryptocurrency is what they mean. And I've had on the other end of the spectrum, crypto people, um, excuse me, people in what I would call the crypto world who, don't, who would not use that term themselves criticize my use of that term. They avoid it like the plague. Um, there are people who use words like shitcoin. And even those people are like, well, I avoid crypto. And what I like to explain to both sides of the weird word aisle 
is it's all based on cryptography. Um, so I don't, you know, let's not, let's not get on any high horses about crypto as a short, shortened turn for cryptography. Um, if you don't like cryptocurrency, you don't like the concept of that. Hey, I'm right there with you. Um, but cryptography, I won't let you disrespect. And here's why this is what this episode is about. I want to, I want to talk about that to get there. This is, <laughs> oh man, I wrote some notes before this. Cause again, this one has a goal. Uh, <laughs> we have to sort of talk about truth. Um, I actually debated having an episode just on truth, but that's just like, uh, it's a little too, a little too high minded even for me. And I'm a guy who's, who's sitting here ranting into a microphone, not ranting, vomiting into a microphone. Excuse me. If it were ranting, it'd be more elegant. Um, but what I decided is truth is a bit controversial. Um, I spent, uh, I don't spend much time on Twitter. I'm not much of a Twitter guy. Um, I spent, you know, my normal, like five to 10 minutes of Twitter a week. I, I mean, and seriously, it's not, it's, I don't have anything against it. It's just, I, I just, any, honestly, any platform that makes it a point to present information to me in a cryptograph or sorry, <laughs> cryptographic and in algorithmic way, I don't spend much time with. And that's just, I, I don't find it to be much useful as sources of information. I was herp derping along on Twitter the other day and I saw some tweets discussing truth. And I just, I don't know, I was fast. It found me wondering what is truth. I actually think uh, I was with my friends. Uh, I was spending some Thanksgiving with some friends. And as I was spending this like 10 minutes on Twitter, I came out of it and I was like, I asked them all like, what's, what is truth even anyway? Um, and I decided for now, at least I don't want to do an episode on that, but we do have to start there because it's an important concept that I want you to understand in terms of, again, I'm, I'm trying to present some flavors to you about math, about cryptography, and and why I am a quote unquote true true believer in what cryptography as a technology, um, or cryptography as a concept, and then the technologies powered by it can do for us in the future. And you see a lot of this in the cryptocurrency space, but it is broader than that. Um, it has to start with truth. The first thing we start with is truth. So anybody, whoever asks me, why 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 are you so why are you such a believer in crypto, right? And you know whether that's cryptocurrency. Why are you not for instance, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist or a Bitcoin only person. Why are you not that laughing man? Um, or on the, on the other end of it, you know, why do I believe in the existence of multiple projects who are quote unquote, not sound money or who might appear on, on some level like a security. Um, again, for me, it has nothing to do with any of that shit. That's some, that's, that's stuff you all are bringing into it. And I understand why I, I can appreciate why you're doing that. There's a lot of spin and swirl around that. Um, I take a step back and I say, well, cryptography is pretty fucking useful and we rely on it already for a lot. So um, why am I a true believer? Really? It's just like, well, it's obvious that similar to what the crypto anarchist manifesto specifies, it's just obvious if you see the, the, the way the technology is going. Um, but it starts with truth, right? So let's take a step back. I think there's three questions. Um, I want you to consider when you think about truth. And these are questions I consider, right? And we're not going to dilly dally too much on truth because this is an episode about cryptography. Um, but it's in, truth is an important part of it. So the three questions are this, where do you get your truth? How do you get your truth? How can you get your truth? Right? So the operative words in these questions really are like, what is the, the in, interrogative word or the question word, right? Where, how, and how, and then there's the verb where do, how do, how can, right? And then, 
Everything after that for each question is the same. You get your truth. Where do you get your truth? How do you get your truth? How can you get your truth? Let's talk about these. What, is, what do I mean when I say, where do you get your truth? What I mean is strictly, what is the source for the things you call truth? There's a lot of ways, right, that, that truth can come to you. It doesn't always immediately appear like truth, right? So sometimes we're looking right at it, but it doesn't appear that way. It doesn't feel that way because of, I think, really because of those second two questions. Um, but it's important, I think, to, to understand for yourself, where do I get my truth? Ask yourself that. Maybe close your eyes and kind of meditate for a second. Hey, where do I get my truth? Um, have I ever really thought deliberately before about where my truth is coming from? Where the things I call true came from? Why do I think the things I call true are true? Why do I think that? Where'd that come from? I think it's, that's, that's an important question to get to reckon with. My answer to that, by the way, is I am open to truth from any source. I get my truth from literally everywhere. Truth, I think, is all around us. Really, truth is all that is. So um, if, you just, if you just pay attention, you can, you can see truth everywhere. The second question is, how do you get your truth? Um, now, there's a lot of ways you can think about this, um, but I'll just be explicit about it because I don't want to confuse you but, uh, uh, by kind of assuming that you know what I mean and when you mean something differently. Because I understand the way I use the way those words can be used is maybe a little different than the way I'm using them. How do you get your truth is a question about the medium that your truth comes to you. And, and what I really mean is how is your truth presented to you? So how do you get your truth is me asking you, how do you want truth presented to you? If you don't really know how to go about answering that, maybe a helpful exercise would be to ask yourself, what are the ways of information being presented to me that when it's presented in that way, I consider it to be true, right? I'm going to say that again just because it's, 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 it's come somewhat nuanced. When information is prevent, presented to me and I consider it to be true, what is the form that takes, typically speaking? Now, that changes. I, I'll, I, I'll, even for me, it's not the same every time. But I think some, for some of us, maybe for a lot of us, there's a way someone can present something to us where it'll get to us recognizing it as truth faster than other ways that things get presented to us. So for instance, when I say one plus one equals two, a lot of people probably just take for granted that that's true because they were taught that in institutions that have authority over education. Um, it's a commonly stated fact. It's something we all sort of just know, right? One plus one equals two is true. Um, sometimes people will use simple addition like that, one plus one equals two, to compare to some more complex truth. And, and you know, it's like it's true, but it's not like one plus one equals two true, you know. And, and usually it's like a, uh, sometimes, I don't want to say usually, it's a, it's a way to try to back someone into a place where you're saying, hey, what you're saying is subjective because it's not like one plus one equals two, which isn't subjective at all, of course. Um, that's not me saying that. That's me quoting them, by the way. I'm a mathematician, remember. Um, <laughs> I crack myself up sometimes. Um, then, okay, so that's question two, right? How do you get your truth? Which means when truth comes to you, how, what's the most likely way, the most common way that it's presented such that when you get it, you see it as truth. That's the how do you get it? Where is like, 
You know, I'm walking down the street, I look down on the sidewalk, and boom, there's some truth sitting there. How is, what does that truth I look down at on the sidewalk need to look like so that I believe that it's true faster? Because I may not immediately recognize that it's true. So what form does the truth, and I'm walking down the sidewalk, the where is, I look down, truth is sitting at my feet. Now I want you to describe, what does that have to look like? What does that typically look like for you? So that you quickly recognize, ah, yeah, that's true. Like, do you look down and it has to literally be one plus one equals two? And you're like, boom, that's true. Um, which, you know, there's some, we could psychoanalyze that a bit and kind of understand why is it exactly that that would be your presentation. We're not going to go there, though, because this is not an episode on truth. I just, this truth is just a precursor to cryptography. All right, now, how can you get your truth? This is a question of, basically, in light of the first, there's where. So I'm, I'm walking down the sidewalk, I look down, boom, truth is there at my feet. There's how, what does it need to look like for me to recognize it as truth? And then the how can really is, can you check? Like, what is your ability to check, right? So I've stumbled across some truth on the sidewalk. I looked down, it was in the form where the way it was presented to me, I immediately recognized it as something that's true. How can I get it is really where I take that step of like, how can I determine that this thing I've recognized as true is true? Like, how can I prove it to myself. Now, I think some of where you get some difficulty around question two and question three, how do and how can. Again, you get your truth is constant across all the questions. And I'm sorry, that's a little too mathy, but you get your truth is the same in each of these questions. Where do, how do, how can, and then you get your truth. Where do you get your truth? How do you get your truth? How can you get your truth? Um, the distinction and, and where you might see them is not distinct is, well, when I look down, I'm walking down the sidewalk, I look down, there's some truth. The where is on the sidewalk at my feet. I look down, there's some truth. I recognize it as that. It's in, in, it's in the how, it's in the form that I recognize as true. Then on I say, well, how can you? How do you know? How can you prove it? I think some people stop at, well, I recognize it as true. So I don't really need to consider how I can determine if it's true. To some degree, it wouldn't even make sense. If I recognize something as true, then the how can I determine how do how can I get my truth? The answer to that is, well, the I recognized it, and I think some people would say, yeah, I just I just recognize it, and when I recognize it, I know, and then I'm done. Um, that sec that last step of like, but how how can you get it right? You know, it was here. You know, it was on the ground. You know, you it was in the form you recognized as true. But what if it was in a different form? Could you could you have gotten it gotten to that same truth even though it was in a different form, even though it was presented differently? You know, it's still in the wear of at your feet, but maybe presented a different way. You, you get maybe slower, you get there. Um, and then how can is like this specific question of, in that case, are you able to check and get to that truth? And I think in the general case, it's for any situation where you're encountering something that's true or that you think is true or that someone's telling you is true. Do you consider whether or not your ability to check is a factor in considering it to be true? So. Um, for me, I am just, again, just giving you my perspective. I want you to, uh, I'm preparing this meal of ideas for you to taste on. And, and I want you to kind of understand the flavors a bit. I already told you I'm open to truth from basically anywhere. I, I don't, there's no, there's nothing for me where I can say that it, truth can't come from there. And, and that's in part because I think existence is true. Everything in existence is true because existence is true. Therefore 
I, I, I don't know. I guess in my head, it's like, a, just let's just call that an axiom. I guess it's something that I take as a premise. I don't need to question it. It's a, I don't ask why there because I'm just like, well, everything that exists is true. Cause if it weren't true, it wouldn't exist. Um, you could challenge that. And again, that's another one of those meet me in a bar and, and, and buy me a drink or maybe I'll buy you a drink. Maybe we buy each other drinks throughout the night and we can talk about whether or not my, my premise that what exists is true. Um, is, is, is true, <laughs> whether or not that's a good premise to have. And if you'll remember, I'm going to even, I'm even going to take you there. I believe in episode two, I mentioned, uh, Dr. Hoffman's book, the case against reality, where, uh, basically he makes this case against reality and you should read the book. So I'm not going to go any further than that, but <laughs> that I, if you wanted to have that conversation at a bar starting there would really, uh, just make me feel really happy, but you could start anywhere. I'd be open to it. I'm open to truth from anywhere. That's me. In terms of how do I get my truth, I prefer, again, how do I get my truth is a question about the medium and, and therefore the presentation. I'm going to give you, uh, for anybody that's right now thinking, well, that doesn't make sense or that's a logical leap, I'm going to give you the, the grace of saying, hey, or, or I'm going to ask you to give me the grace of saying medium, therefore presentation. Let's just, please just assume that for my sake. Um, the medium across which you get truth is the same as the way truth is presented to you. Can be different technically, but this isn't an episode on truth. We're not really going to dig into that. And it may not be material to the conversation of cryptography. So for now, I'm going to say the medium of how do I get my truth? Because that I think is like the intuition when you hear, how do you get your truth? I think some people say, oh, that's kind of like where, right? Um, which is also kind of like, well, how can, right? All these things that kind of play into each other a little bit. Um, but what I mean is, how is it presented? For me, I prefer that truth be pre- presented to me. Um, in terms that like can be measured and where it's plainly stated and where I don't need to have faith in the paradigm of the source. Um, Paradigm is this fancy word for like you as a person have all this context, all this background, all this history of yourself that you bring into any, any moment. And I don't want to have to trust that if only I had your perspective, I would, I would have, I would see the truth. Um, so I prefer that truth be conveyed in ways that doesn't require that a lot of times, mostly because we're human, um, we convey things in a way that requires someone to have basically been us because we're us, right? I don't know that we can even really avoid that. A lot of what I'm doing in this podcast is saying, Hey, give me some grace here because I'm me. So I'm saying something from a perspective that's me. And I know you don't have that. Um, I, I like truth to be presented to me in a form where I don't have to have faith in that. So I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you all these things in part because I want to put this into practice. I say, you don't have to trust my background. I want to give you the tools that you don't need to trust my background. You can go check yourself. That's kind of like how do, that's really what I want. And then the how can is kind of that third piece, all kind of related. But remember, how can you get your truth? For me is a question about how can you check? Um, Do you consider how much you're able to check both the specific things so for example, if you told me that I'm standing on the sidewalk is true, right? I want to know how can I check that I'm standing on the sidewalk, right? And then, you know, you take that, that's the specific case. And then you take the step back and you say, for every instance of someone telling me something like I'm standing on the sidewalk, um, it, like there's like a checkability you could build, a measure of like checkability, right? And that's what I think of like, how can you? Um, really challenging yourself to wonder for any amount of truth that you experience, whether or not you were able to check. Now, for me, I, I give my highest trust to, and I believe that things are mostly truthful when 
I can check when I, when a source of the truth is something like well, is and in the presentation gives me the tools I need to check and check just means directly or, or observe or measure the truth. Right. Um, I guess we sort of take for granted that what we perceive with our senses is truth. Um, and again, that book case against uh, reality by Donald Hoffman is, you know, is a lot of reasons why, uh, or, or I guess I would say it's, it's a lot of reasons to maybe carefully think about that as a, something that's reliable. I think it still is. I don't think that the book makes the case that it's not reliable, but again, go read it. Um, really bonus points to me. If I can check, and especially if the where, again, the where do I, the source, if the source comes with the tools to check, right? I'm most happy with something that's true when, you know, again, the source could be anywhere. I don't even really, I mean, I, I don't really care about that because I think everything that exists has some truth in it. So the source could be anything, but if the source comes with, hey, I'm presenting this truth to you in a way where you don't have to have faith in my background and my expertise to understand it, you don't have to have been me to see this truth, and here's how you can check yourself. Here's, here's some steps you can take to check. Now, if at the end of it, you know, you don't feel like this is true, then, then it's not. But here's, I'm telling you that this is the way you can check. So you don't have to have any faith in me at all. When you check at the end of it, if you don't feel like it's true, then I'm wrong, right? Because I gave you the method to check. These three things all really come together in cryptography. And this is, is why it's so important that, that we start here. If you're stuck on this, you don't believe it, you have some challenges here. Honestly, hmm, I was going to say stop listening, but um, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe, some, maybe once we get into the mix of it, something about the way we talk about cryptography will be helpful for you as a flavor that you can take away with you and, and learn what flavors you like, even if up to this point, you're not really vibing with how I think about truth, right? So, um, Let's let's let that's sort of the background I want to start with. Now, the other thing I want to point out, um, in addition to these questions about truth, again, the three questions were: Where do you get your truth? How do you get your truth? How can you get your truth? Where do? How do? How can? And then again, on the other end of that, you get your truth. You hold that constant. If this was an equation, yeah, I'd be a constant in the equation. See, we're not even we're not getting into new math. We're this is just words. We're just, we're still just talking about words. All right, truth. One other thing I want to say about truth is truth. Sometimes, practically speaking, the way we all interface with truth, myself included, is that it is a trade-off between convenience and autonomy, right? Because in the most maximally autonomous sense, which means in the scenario where I have the most control over my information environment and my life, I am checking everything myself. I trust nothing. And I check everything myself, right? That's the, the maximally autonomous case. And then there's the maximally convenient case where I don't trust anything. Or sorry, I don't check anything. I just trust everything. I just trust it. I find some truth on the sidewalk. I look down and I'm like, boom, this is true. I trust it. I, I'm driving in my car with my window down and some truth flies in. It smacks me in the face and I just trust it. Um, I think within that spectrum of, of truth being kind of a trade-off between convenience and autonomy, um, I sort of also think about like truth that's backed by trust, which is I'm, I have to trust this thing, but it's, it's okay because there are like truth-like principles that are why I trust it. So maybe there's, um, you know, I was walking down the sidewalk, I looked down, there's some truth at my feet. I checked the truth because it came with a, a, an instruction list on how to check it. But now I trust that this truth, oh, I don't even trust it. I checked, right? I checked that the truth I found at my feet on the sidewalk is true. 
And then that truth says, now that you've checked me, now I'm giving you a different truth that technically doesn't flow from the, the truth that you checked, right? And this is, this is maybe where, I don't know, this might be a, this, you know what, if this is math, then I'm sorry. But basically it's like, you can check that, that this thing is true. And then once you've checked it, you're like, cool, true thing. I believe you are true. The true thing says to you, now here's some other truth. Trust-based truth is, is, is that kind of truth, right? Where, well, I didn't, I'm not, I don't necessarily, I trust that that's true, not because I checked it, but because the thing I did check said it was true, right? And, and this is a convenience. We're stepping into convenience because if I wanted to be fully autonomous, fully independent, fully in control, I would still check that too. But, you know, again, I want, eh, I'm busy. I'm, I'm just trying to walk down the sidewalk, man, trying to go to the grocery store or wherever. So convenience, I'll just accept that. But, but, but only because I checked you. I checked you already. Because I checked you and I know you're, you're true, I kind of built that trust where it's like, all right, I already checked you, so I already know. And now you're saying that, that this other thing isn't. Well, maybe I don't want to check, so I'll trust you too. That's what I call truth-backed trust, but I don't want to make it like a terminology thing. But like that's, that's like one way to, to step into convenience. Um, another way to step, in, step into convenience is basically faith. Um, and so now, it, it, follow the chain, walk down the sidewalk, I look down and there's some truth. Boom, I check it. Boom, I know. I know it's true because I checked it. Right. And then this true thing, I let's say it's a living, somehow it's a living organism. This true thing I checked for its truth value says, look at this other truth across the street. Right. So I could tr- trust, I could trust the truth I checked. And I could say, okay, I'm not going to check again, but I trust you. Now, let's say that, so I believe the thing across the street is true. Right. Because I trusted the first thing that I did check. Now, that thing across the street, and I'm trusting only because the true thing I already confirmed says it's true. Now that thing says, hey, look up now. So I looked down at my feet, and there was some truth, and I checked it. That truth said, look across the street, and I trusted that the other, the across the street was true because of the first truth. Then this, the truth across the street says, look up. Look, there's some more truth, and up in the sky, there's some more fucking truth. Now, I think at that point, it's faith, right? Um, I haven't checked side uh, across the street truth. I only checked right at my feet on the sidewalk truth. I didn't check across the street truth. I only trusted across the street truth because sidewalk truth I did check and whatever. I guess now that I checked, I have some trust. Across the street truth says, look up, there's some more truth. If I decide to consider the truth in the sky, that when I look up truth as well, that to me is really like truth by faith, right? It's trust. It's, it's trusting and in, in, it's a faith. You know, it's like an order removed from the thing I checked. It's not directly related to the thing I checked. It's like a step removed. And even that, you know, okay, that's the thing. Again, I don't want to get too lost in the terminology, but I'm, I'm building out these like um, these concentric circles of distance from like something you yourself check, right? We go back to that where and where do, how do, and how can the source, the presentation, and your ability to check. Um, you know, to some degree, you could say, well, the source is always me because I'm perceiving through my senses. And the presentation is always whatever I am molded into with my contextual background and my environment. And then the ability to check is I will always check. And if I can't check, it's not true, right? That's like the strictest, I guess, most hardcore in terms of autonomy way you could get, right? And again, I'm, maybe I'm glossing over something, but let's just, let's just assume that's true. Give me some, give me some faith because you can't even check that. Um, 
these are like, you know, different ways to build trust, I guess, in, in truths. Um, and then there's what I'll call, let's say, reckless truth or reckless, recklessly trusting that something is true, right? So you got sidewalk truth, sidewalk tr- truth. I check you. I say, I don't trust you, sidewalk truth. I'm going to check directly. And then sidewalk truth says, cool, now that you've checked, look across the street at my buddy. The buddy across the street says, yay, I'm true too, because you, you checked my buddy over there about your feet. And he told you I'm true, so I'm true. Now I'm going to tell you to look up at my buddy in the sky. And I say, oh, man, this is getting, this is getting testy now. Now I'm, I don't know, I'm getting stretched a little thin. And, but now there's three truths that I kind of sort of trust and some kind of chain of truth. Um, but, you know, there's, each one comes with like slightly less trust, but more convenience because I don't want to have to go check. And then driving on the road, not on the sidewalk and not in the sky, in a car, it's another truth, just flying by. And from the window, the other truth says, I too am truth. Now, at that point, with no other anything else, no checking and no reference to it, that's reckless trust. And that's reckless that to, to trust in that truth as true would be a bit reckless. Um, so at the far end of the spectrum, when I'm just chasing convenience and there's no autonomy and there's not even a link to a chain where there's some autonomy, Personally, I call that a little reckless. Um, I bring all this up, and we're still kind of we're still talking about truth here. But I bring all this up because it's important to understand how I see it. Because I'm trying to present some flavors to you to lead into a conversation about cryptography. And truth is really what cryptography is all about. So I you know I guess we're here now. <laughs> cryptography is really all about truth, in my from my perspective. Why I believe in something like. The Crypto Anarchist Manifesto is like this really um, prescient document about basically modern times, given that it was, you know, a 1998 kind of thing. Um, and I guess not a document. It was more, uh, uh, I guess, oh, well, I guess someone read it. So maybe they're reading from a document. But I, I buy the future this describes is, is a possible future. And I, and I believe that it's a positive future, right? So I'm like, I'm a true believer in this. It's like, I'm not, I don't just think it's possible. I believe that it's actually better for us all. Um, but like, I'm because of how I think about truth. So if you disagree with me on all the truth stuff, everything I say from this point on, on crypto, you could say, well, that's great. But cryptography, you know, I don't even buy the truth stuff. So what you're saying about cryptography maybe would make sense if I bought the truth stuff. But I don't buy that. But I wanted to start there because when I, why I believe in the power of cryptography is purely because I think that it is a way to digitally represent truth. Cryptography is a way to digitally represent truth. It's a way to mathematically represent truth, right? So um, prior to computers, had we used crypto this way, you could have used it to really just like in math terms, represent truth. Anything you can turn into math or, or you can model accurately with math, I would argue you could turn into cryptographic truth. Um, so cryptography, we're here now, we're in it. What is cryptography? Well, I'm going to start with one plus one equals two. So for the non-mathematicians, I will, we're not going to get any more complicated than one plus one equals two. Um, hopefully, all of you know that one plus one equals two. Hopefully, it's not a question for you. Um, hopefully, there's no, you know, Kurt Goodall's out there trying to challenge that one plus one equals two. Not that that's what he did, but, um, you know, I'll not link to a paper if you really want to go down that rabbit hole. But one plus one equals two. All right, let's start there. Let's assume we all agree there on that. Now, why is that true? Um, where do we get it, right? Don't want to go into that. This isn't a math course. 
um, how is it presented? You know, one, one is a number plus is a, is a thing we understand an arithmetic step an arithmetic step we understand. And then there's the equal sign and there's the two. Again, this isn't a math course. We're not going to do two anyway, but we all understand that now. What is cryptography? You know, laughing man, I don't understand the math behind cryptography. Well, you're in luck. A lot of people don't. I also kind of don't. So this is probably also entirely wrong because I don't even know what I'm talking about. And I did think I sat down to make an episode on this. Um, <laughs> all right. So one plus one equals two. If you can understand that, you can understand all of the math in cryptography. And I'm going to break it down for you in this way that I'm sure some smart mathematician would be like, well, it's more complicated than that. And you're wrong. Um, all cryptography is, is a way of doing one plus one equals two. Except instead of one and one and two, you have different kinds of numbers. And instead of addition, you have some kind of more complicated, not really arithmetic operation in the middle um, that results in something else on the equal sign, so on the other side of the equal sign. So one plus one equals two is taking two things on one side of the equal sign, applying a mathematical operation, in this case addition, to those two things. And what you get is two. Now, you could go actually go back from two to one plus one because what you might understand is subtraction, which is the opposite of addition, where I can take one from two. So I can say two minus one, two. Uh, if I subtract one from two, I get one. And so in that way, you know, one plus one equals two equals two minus one equals one, right? Um, they're, they're identical, I guess, statements about the values so long as you understand what the symbols mean and what the operations mean. So now we're going to step out of math now and just into words. Symbols and operations. In one plus one equals two, one is a symbol, plus is a symbol, equals is a symbol, and two is a symbol. They're all symbols, right? Plus is what we call an operation, right? It refers to an operation. And equals refers to an operation. Now, well, what does one and two refer to? That's a, a bit too mathy, so I'm just going to say numbers. <laughs> they refer to numbers. There's a part of how we count. So we count one, two, three, four, five, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Um, symbols that we don't we take for granted. Let's. Just, so we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to psychoanalyze those symbols. But I want you to understand that you can take symbols and you can apply an operation. That's kind of what we, what we mean when we say one plus one. It's an operation. There's a thing we did there. There's a function we applied right behind the scenes. But you could call it a function. Function's complicated. There's an operation. You know, we did surgery and, and out the other side came a two, right? Mommy and daddy got together one and one. Mommy and daddy, they got together and they plussed and they made a baby two, right? Um, I'm sorry to be, uh, I, I, my, my referring to mommy and daddy, by the way, is not to disregard any sort of um, the gender spectrum uh so please don't take it that way now from there you can get to crypto all cryptography right cryptography is just the practice of taking a symbol right whether that's a document whether that's a text message whether that's a credit card number you can turn it into a number right so to some degree turning it into a number is also an operation that we mathematicians know how to do we can turn literally anything into a number um, and again, this is why I didn't want to go into counting because the reason you can do that is because of counting, not because everything literally is a number. Um, but because we know how to count, we can technically turn anything into a number. Um, and so, and that's again, to the mathematicians, I'm sorry. I realize that's a very kind of gross oversimplification. So, you know, 
If it's wrong, well, yeah, of course it is. This isn't a math course. Um, now that you understand that, you understand all of cryptography. I can turn something into a number, and then I can apply an operation which has the effect of producing another number, right? In this case, in the case of one plus one, the, what it produces is two. In the case of cryptography, you might take a number, apply some operation, and then what you get is either something that you cannot uh, decrypt without one of the originating symbols, right? One of the, the keys, as they're called in cryptography. Or you can do operations where using those symbols together with the operation results in something where you can take what you get and then check, right? And, and when you do that check, what that means is it only could have come from those other symbols, right? So the, one of the challenges or difficulties with one plus one equals two is that two can, in theory, come from an infinity of numbers, right? Again, this is some more like counting stuff. God, I guess I'm kind of going into counting even though I didn't mean to. I'm, I'm really sorry. I hope this is not too boring. Um, because we know how to count. So remember how I said we can turn anything into a number because we know how to count. That's also kind of the reason why two can come from anywhere, which just means like three minus one is two. Uh, five minus three is two. Eight minus six is two. Uh, all, all of these different things that equal to, and I'm sorry to go all subtracty and addy on you, but like uh, that, that means it, to some degree, if I'm just presented with a two, I don't necessarily know where that two came from. I don't know who its parents are. In cryptography, there are some mathematical operations where when I apply them, when I'm looking at the, the two that I get, there's only one other number, right? Once it's, if I know the operation, for that particular operation, for those kinds of operations, there's only one other number that could have come from it. So if someone gives me a two, right, and, I, and, I, and they say, hey, I applied this operation, then I know that could have only come from that other number. Now, if they give me that other number, um, I might say, okay, cool. That means that tells me also that you have a number you didn't give me and only you could have it, right? Um, so <laughs> I don't know if that simplified cryptography or if it made it more complicated. I hope we didn't get lost too deep in, in, in uh, counting. But the moral of the story is with that set of operations, um, with the ability to turn things into numbers and apply operations that can represent a sort of uniqueness or a sort of... Um, I, you know, secret, apply some kind of secrecy where as long as you're diligent about the keys, you know, it only could have come from the person with the keys, right? And that's really the way to think about it. I mean, take out the diligence. Let's, let's talk about a world, we don't trust, a world where we don't trust that someone was diligent. Um, you know, at least what you're, what you're, not, you're not proving that they were diligent. What you're proving is they had the numbers, right, to produce the, you know, the numbers to use this operation to produce this other number, right? Um, which means we can, with those, set of tools in the toolbox. We can represent truth in math, just like we can represent anything in math with counting, right? And there's a relationship between the, the math that is counting and the math that is cryptography. So, and again, I realize there's like, you know, it's more complicated than I'm sorry for oversimplifying it. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not a math PhD. I'm not a professor, but I just want you to understand um, sort of, you know, at a basic level that you could, you know, maybe not talk about with math friends because they would, you know, condescendingly say, oh my God, your understanding of math is so simple. Um, but you could, you could maybe like kind of say, okay, I think I kind of get it. I think I get it. Unless what I said was super confusing, in which case basically crypto cryptography is just the practice of taking some stuff and applying a specific set of steps. So like, let's say it's a recipe. Um, you could take some ingredients, you could apply a set of steps in the recipe, and then what you get is the meal, right? 
And then from the meal, that might, I started with one plus one equals two. And then here I am on the fly coming up with, this is probably coming up with what is probably a better analogy. Um, <laughs> you could imagine a recipe uh, and you have some ingredients and then you do some stuff like cook, which is applying the operations, right? You, you know, you sprinkle on a salt, you stir at this time, you heat at this heat for this amount of time. And what you get is a boom, a cake. You've got some, you've got a cake now from the cake. If you've got, if you've got a lemon cake in front of you, you can, you know, there's a lemon somewhere in there or lemon extract, right? Like, you know, based on what, what the food in front of you, what's in there. And most importantly, you could check, right? Like if you had the tools, you could dig into that cake and you figure out, you could figure out exactly what's in it. So if the cook says, you know, here's the ingredient list, A, you can look, look at the ingredient list and you're like, cool, you told me what the ingredients list is. And then you could check it. You could start to do some chemical testing and whatnot. And you can determine, yep, those are the ingredients they actually used. Maybe they said they used real sugar, but they used you know, some kind of sugar alternative. Um, you could check, you could check it with, you know, science and, and tooling for that. And if they gave you the ingredients and they said, here's how you would check. And Hey, here's my checking machine. Maybe you want to have your own checking machine, you know, and if they're trying to dupe you, they might've manipulated it, but you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They seem to be transparent. They gave you the ingredients. They gave you the checking machine. They gave you the cake. Importantly, they got to also give you the cake. You tasted it. You're like, Hmm, tastes like a lemon cake. It says there's lemon in the ingredients. And now I did my little test. Turns out it's lemon. I, I, this is true. It's true that this is a lemon cake right now. There may be all kinds of reasons why that's not good enough. Right. Um, and if you want to be that kind of person, then more power to you. Uh, I hope, I hope you're, if you are that kind of person, I hope you're helping us to make tools and, and identify the ingredients so that we can get to a level of calling stuff truth that satisfies, um, your criteria. Uh, cause I don't, you know, I don't see any reason to, to bash that. I just think, you know, if you're going to have stricter criteria, um, Please, please, we need you to help us uh, have the tools and methods to identify uh, in a way that reaches, uh, meets your criteria. So that's, that's really how I view cryptography. Cryptography is really the state of going from ingredients to recipe. Really all of math is, but in particular, the, the mathematics behind cryptography is, is you know, this peculiar sort of math where um, at least with what we know about current computing it, it would not be possible to make the lemon cake that tastes like a lemon cake without a lemon, right? Now, I realize in the cake example, there's a lot of ways to get, uh, you know, approximate lemon flavor or mimic lemon flavor without a lemon. So it, cryptography is even better than that because um, it is, you know, sort of mathematically provably um, beyond, you know, what we reasonably know can be faked, right, without a lemon or some kind of lemon, you know, something derived from a lemon. So think of cryptography that way. It's a way to digitally represent truth. If we can, if we know some stuff is true, we can take cryptography and we can, we can represent it in math and therefore digitally, because computers are basically just math machines. um, We can represent that truth. Cryptography is a way to digitally represent truth. So, you know, that's all great. This is kind of, kind of a math, kind of a math lesson, kind of not a math lesson. Um, Why does that make me a believer? and the potential of cryptography. Well, remember in between talking about truth with those questions and then going into our, our math, not math lesson about one plus one equals two and working up to cryptography where I talked about um, how far away from you checking yourself on like the convenience and autonomy spectrum that something is true, how far away from checking yourself that something is true, like what level of trust might you um, offer depending on how distant there's the truth at your feet, which you checked. So to some degree you could always say you don't even trust that because you checked it yourself. 
And then across the street, you only trusted that because the truth you checked said it was true. And then for the truth in the sky, you trusted that by faith, basically, because of that chain going back to the truth you checked. And then the reckless truth that drove by, maybe you believed it because, I don't know, maybe it looks similar to the other truths, but you know, it, it's, you, know you still didn't trust it and it still didn't necessarily um, relate to anything you could check or had checked um, or that something you checked referred to, right? So there's all these different ways to potentially evaluate how much trust you should have in a truth that you've decided is true, right? Or that you've recognized as true. And cryptography is a digital representation of truth. So the beauty of it, right, even if it's not perfect, is to the extent that we can mathematically represent something and therefore cryptographically represent truth in the digital world, we get to take advantage of the benefits of the digital world with respect to those truths. Um, so remember, last episode I talked about, I'm a, I'm a hacker, I'm a technologist, I, I'm a programmer, I, I sort of understand at a pretty deep level a lot of technologies, and even absent in cryptography, which you know, is super important for a lot that we depend on in the world, um, I understand the, the, the power of being able to automate something, right, as an example, the power of being able to type some code and then have something that you would otherwise have to do yourself over and over again to have it happen on its own is, is it's fascinating, honestly. And to think we did that with, you know, basically silicon and rocks from the ground and electricity, um, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's one of the things that is so beautiful to me about the world and about humanity is that over time we have reached this place where we're able to do stuff like that. And I highly recommend a book called um, Einstein's Bridge. Because some of this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And I don't remember the name of the author right now, but I'll link to it in the show notes. You know, it kind of covers um, <laughs> one of the, I haven't finished it yet, but it, um, I'm, I'm decently through it and I, enough to recommend it. And they talk about how there was a time when we didn't know what heat was. And, you know, we thought science, scientists thought heat was a substance. And so they were looking for, you know, this, this substance they called caloric, which they thought was where heat came from, you know, and there's all this experimentation over many, many decades to, to come to like <laughs> figuring out what heat is. If, if you can even, if you even want to say that that's done and we've figured it out and don't need to keep digging. One of the beautiful things about science is that as science, humanity, as we learn, we grow, we start to call things true because it's like as, as far as we can check, we think this is true. Right. And, and this is where I, personally, I think it's fair. I think we all owe ourselves the grace to say um, at the limits of where we can check that something is true. uh, It's really, it's not, there's no need necessarily to go like pushing to be like anal about getting past that, to be like really irate about pushing past that. Now I do think it's cool to have the imagination and the, the curiosity to, to like um, inspire yourself that past that point. But I I don't know that a hostile approach is, is wise. Um, What's cool about that book is you get to see just like the development of a completely different idea over time. What's beautiful to me about technology is there's all this stuff we can do with it in terms of saving ourselves time, saving each other time, um, making use of the vast abundance of resources on our planet. So I think, you know, personally, I do think we have an abundance of resources on the planet. Our problem isn't whether there is enough, it's whether we can get all of the enough to where it needs to go. And I think technology is a big part of that. Um, I also think, though, that if there weren't enough, technology is also a big part of how we might get to enough, right? We can do some things where 
starts to be enough because maybe, you know, again, we're automating stuff. We're, we're using technology in a way that cuts down on what's, what's needed. So the concept of what is enough goes down as opposed to just saying there's enough and we got to get it to everybody, right? Those are two ways that I think technology can help us. Now, some of the difficulty I think we've faced historically as a species and as a, as a society and a culture is as we progress, um, things, don't, things don't keep up evenly. So you start to see these disparities come in. You start to see these power structures implemented or, or really just um, their power structures that emerge. Um, and they're because of inefficiencies, right? There's, they're because in some cases of differences between um, how well one pocket has made use of technology to either distribute enough to everyone that needs it or to make more of enough when there wasn't enough. Um, you, you start to see these disparities, right? And I think to the extent that we can start to represent more truths in a, in a way that we can like bootstrap to this rocket of innovation and, and human progress, technology to me and computing to me is this, it's like this rocket ship of human progress. And we can, we can strap stuff to it if we can represent it digitally. The moment we can take something that we don't intuit as digital or don't feel as digital or experience as digital, and we can represent it digitally, we can like connect it to this digital domain, which is cool only because of how much we can control it and how much we can manipulate it and automate it and, and, and use it to the good. The more we can do that, the easier it becomes to, again, get enough of the world's abundance to the people that need it or to create abundance where there isn't any, right? Or at least to even just understand, is there abundance, right? Even understand whether or not there is enough and, and where that might be. These are all things where as, as we progress through time and we don't have the technology and, and some places figure it out, some places get it, um, you start to see these disparities creep in. So I think with cryptography as this way to digitally represent truth, what you, what you found, what we have now, what we've had for a while is, you know, and again, some, in some cases, it's just there's another <laughs> disparity. Some people have the understanding and some people do not. And I hope with this more people will. Um, with cryptography, we can re- if we can represent some truth um, in a cryptographic way digitally, we can bootstrap it to the rocket of technology and human progress. And then maybe we get a lot further with that thing. So, um, you know, what's, what does that mean? What's the scope of possibility for that? I think that um, the scope of possibility really is anything that's true. Personally, I, I, I'm, all, I'm like really far on like the positive optimistic side. Anything that's possibly true can be represented with cryptography and therefore digitally represented and therefore strapped to the rocket of, of, of human progress through computation. Um, that's why I'm a believer in crypto. When people say, oh, do you believe in crypto? That's what I, I'm a believer. It's also why, like personally, am I buying any crypto to, to hold it? No, not really. Um, that's not the point. You know, to me, the, the point isn't, you know, I'll, 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 once I, now that I know about this box of digital truth, I'll just store a bunch of shit in the digital truth box and I'll lock it under my bed. You know, I, you could do that, right? I mean, it's, if, you, if your goal was to have a bunch of, a, a bunch of digital truth sitting around for use later, then, you know, more power to you. I'm not going to tell you not to, but you know, a lot of people I, I know who know I like crypto, right? And including what some people refer to as cryptocurrency, really for the technological possibilities. They're usually surprised when they hear that I don't hold um, really any cryptocurrency. I'm not, not a crypto holder, not even of Bitcoin, I'm sorry to say. Um, well, I'm not sorry to say it, but you know, some, some folks would think that that's silly, that I don't have Bitcoin I'm just holding around somewhere. 
Um, but you know, whatever. I, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm into it for. I'm into it for the the fact that you know we can cryptographically represent truth, right? Cryptographically and therefore digitally represent truth, which means we can strap whatever truths we we humans have done work to represent in that way, um, and carefully and thoughtfully, right? Because we there may be a truth that can be represented like that, but we mess up the implementation and then things go wrong. Um, that really is. Uh, what, what I think is awesome. It's why I like it. It's why I like to, to see people working in that space. It's why I like to help people working in that space. Um, you know, as a hacker, helping them like not get hacked. I just love it. I, I love, I love the possibilities for what we can enable in terms of, uh, you know, again, really, you know, either correcting disparities and, um, distributing abundance or creating, creating more abundance in the world for people that need it. Uh, I think cryptography is, is one piece, right? Obviously computation is another. Um, another reason why I'm a, I'm a, I'm very optimistic and positive is really, um, we already use cryptography everywhere. Um, if you're in the United States and you're, you know, well off enough to have a smartphone, um, whether it's Apple pay, Google pay, whether it's the internet, everything you do today on the internet and digitally, I mean, there's cryptography involved. We, we could not have e-commerce. Um, we could, which is, you know, buying stuff on the internet without cryptography. Amazon couldn't exist and do what it does without cryptography. You wouldn't feel you couldn't safely put your credit card number into something online without cryptography. Um, so you know if you're a quote unquote crypto skeptic, uh, you know I'd say like you're already using it. So you no, you're not. Frankly, respectfully, no one. Maybe the the person that's like a totally off the grid and uses no technology, that person can might be able to convince me they're crypto skeptic because they're a technology skeptic. But at this point, if you're using technology like at all, like you're sitting here listening to this podcast, the only reason. Uh, you're able to do that safely. I mean, I suppose you could do it without cryptography, but I mean, to some degree it's because, you know, you're, you know, you're going to get the podcast that's from me because there's a series of trusted certificates, you know, crypto, cryptographic certificates and, and um, chains of trust that, you know, to some degree it's like you, you, ha- you can have some reliance about this coming from me. Now, um, where we might make a mistake a- as people, and this is part of learning and growing and understanding this is, you know, this is, um, not new technology, but it's technology that's starting to get used in a way where more people are interacting with it directly in a way they might not have before is, you know, I just said where you today use cryptography because you probably use a web browser. Um, even if not, if you're listening to this podcast, however you decided to get to it, I know for a fact that there's some cryptography involved because the RSS feed is served over TLS, which is a cryptographic protocol, or at least a protocol for applying cryptography to um, web requests. Now, if you, you know, that isn't the same as like, um, the kind of crypto that I guess would be ideal, ideal. Right. And again, going back to those, um, levels of trust in the truths that you, um, are dealing with, right. The truth at my feet and the truth that I can check, you know, that the, the, tr- the crypto in your browser, browser, eh, browser, the, the crypto in your browser is, is not truth. You can check really. Right. Because at the end of the day, um, Google and, and Mozilla and Apple with Safari um, and, you know, the various browser people, they basically get together and they pick who gets to, they get to, they pick who can trust things for you. So, and this maybe is a fun project if you're interested. If you want to know who you trust um, without knowing it, you know, maybe figure out how to look at the root certs on your computer or in your browser and then figure it, you know, maybe look at the story behind the entities behind that. You know, it might, it may be interesting. It may be boring, but fundamentally when you put your credit card into a site and you're trusting, they're not going to steal your money. Really. It's because 
you are hoping and trusting that Google trusted the right, you know, if it's Chrome, you're hoping that Google trusted uh, the, the right, you know, root certificate authorities. And you're hoping that those people were only issuing certificates to people. And you're hoping that if, you know, maybe there's regulatory bodies or organizations that check that you're hoping that they're doing that you're trusting, hoping, and, and you're getting a lot of, to me, this is that truth that just drove by in the street and was like, I'm true too. And you're like, yeah, I believe it because everybody believes it. Um, or I believe it because, you know, there's, there's reputational damage. Those organizations would face if they're wrong. We're, I'm grateful. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm, bashing those people because you know there's this chain of trust but it's i'm just pointing out that it's not the same as if i could check cryptographically uh whether or not you know when i go to www. i don't know google.com that the site i actually received in return was google if i could trust that cryptographically and check it and check it which is comes back to that third question how can i get my truth that would be a higher level of truth than like right now and look at my browser and that little lock is still there which only means you know, hopefully nothing in the like series of organizations and people that led to that lock being on the website, um, you know, weren't compromised or didn't make a mistake or something like that. So, you know, it is, you know, I can kind of just be like, well, that's more or less how it works most of the time. Now the downside of checking, right. And, or at least believing in this world of like super strict checking. It's like I said, there's a trade-off convenience and autonomy in the most super paranoid sense. I wouldn't trust that. And I'd spend my time checking everything or at least being uh, haunted by the fact that there's a lot of stuff I, I can't check. Like, I don't, I'm sure I, well, maybe, maybe Google. Sometimes they have weird things where, you know, they're weirdly transparent, but I don't know that I can like just go ask them like, hey, why did you trust this root cert? And maybe there's, you know, there's, I know there's, crypt, there's like cert transparency projects and stuff like that where I actually think you can get to some degree of that. Um, and, you know, but I don't know that it's as easy for any given certificate right? And I'm only going down this rabbit hole of certificates, right? Because A, you trust them. You trust them. If you're listening to this, you trusted it already to get the podcast. If you've ever used a credit card online on the internet, you've trusted them. Um, so you've already, you've already been there. You and I have both been there. And then, and then when we ask that question, how can we check? It's maybe not the easiest thing to check, right? There's some friction involved. There's some, you kind of have to know that that system exists. You got to know where to look. I think with cryptography as it evolves and it, it, improves alongside computation, it will get easier for you to check. And, and in the ideal world, the trade-off is minimized where I, I can maybe check everything, but the, it's not inconvenient because checking everything just got so quick and so easy, right? Now then you're trusting that the code that was written was written correctly and, you know, doesn't have mistakes or bugs or anything like that. And, and, and you know, if in the, in that is, I'd say, the biggest risk in the trust dynamic uh, in the world of like pervasive cryptography and technology is you still have to trust somebody's somebody's got to write the software somebody's got to make the hardware and you're kind of still trusting that they did it right not that they're malicious necessarily but you know they might have made a mistake and that mistake can um you know i, I, mean, I mean i can tell you in the world of hacking and cybersecurity vulnerabilities and all that i mean you know those things can be devastating um and and currently in the i guess like cryptocurrency world uh there's a lot of that going on a lot of money getting lost over um honest mistakes, you know, code, writing computer code is difficult sometimes. Uh, the mistakes are things that, you know, every humans have made and continue to make. So that's maybe the, one of the downsides is, you know, with, if, if we do, if we do move into this world, I'm super optimistic will help us to spread abundance, um, around, um, it's a world potentially where like we, the, the software vulnerability risk is much, much higher. Good for me as a hacker. You know, I mean, I'm, I'll never be out of a job, but 
who knows? Maybe this is all me being super biased so I can have infinite job security. Um, but you know, potentially, potentially a risk. Now, on the flip side, right now, in in the current world, right? Even if we just look at where we are already, and I just mentioned kind of, I'm using this browser certificates and and trust because we probably have all dealt with it. Even in that world, you know, stuff can still go wrong. And I think for me, part of where that any added risk starts to be worth it is, well, right now, if something goes wrong, I may not even know. I might not know till it's too late because I can't check myself. So in this world of like super fast, super convenient checking of everything, full autonomy, at least I can check, right? You know, I can, the checking is closer to me and yes, there's bigger risk, but theoretically I will know faster, right? I'll know faster. I'll know more detail in a more detailed way because that ability to check everything myself with pervasive cryptography and technology means um, things that happen are closer to me and, and, and more understandable and digestible to me with the tools that I have. Theoretically, that now it may not, that now may be the case that that's just not true, but I think that's kind of where it's headed. That's why I'm a you know true believer um, for my you know Bitcoin only friends who are you know I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I guess they're kind of getting away. Well, I don't know if it was ever their term maximalist, but like you know the hardcore Bitcoin folks when they ask why why do I say I'm into crypto, it's because I'm into cryptography. Um, and don't you Bitcoin folks <laughs> forget that uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, who is the uh, author of the Bitcoin white paper, another thing I think you should all go read if you haven't. Very uh, accessible maybe more, more accessible even than, than this podcast episode. Um, you know, basically the innovation, the, the way I see the innovation, of the Bitcoin paper was Satoshi presented how to cryptographically represent um, the digital truth of energy expenditure, right? And because energy expenditure is something that we can't lie about in the real world, the, that means that we all have some way to understand and relate to energy expenditure across cultures, governments, societies, so that if you, you know, if you represent that in a cryptographic way in the digital world, suddenly it, it can take the place uh, of something that has value. Um, but I don't know that it, it's, it strictly must be that. I would argue that you could do that with anything that in the real world we agree has value, right? And, and even if it's something doesn't have real world value, I think you can, so long as you can create uh, the cryptographic representation of what the people using it would consider true, then you can represent it. So, you know, I don't take the position that some might take that, you know, bro, proof of stake, blah, 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 right? And it's like, well, if, if we consider it true in the real world, which is, you know, I guess in some ways it could just be a matter of convention, right? Um, I, I could look down at the truth at my feet on the sidewalk and I could check it or I could say, I consider you true. And if it's just me and that thing, then there's no one else to doubt it, <laughs> right? And then, you know, we could decide, we could decide, we by fiat have decided the thing across the, the street is true. Um, and to the extent that any of these declarations of truth or, or social representations of truth, um, to the extent they don't, they won't collide with any pragmatic reality, then I don't know. I don't know that it matters if that it's, you know, well, I mean, it does matter, right? A little bit, um, but only because there might be some, you know, external party who would need to check. And if we do it that way, there's nothing to check. Um, so then whether or not what is true is a matter of whether or not we agree on, on either our authority to call it true or if it has some practical implication, the results of the practical implication. So when I think about, um, you know, governments and, and uh, fiat money, I think fiat's really the best word for it because it's like money by declaration, um, value by declaration. You know, I don't, again, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. It's really just, well, how do you check? How do you know how many dollars, you know, were printed? And again, I know there's ways to check, just like there's ways to check 
um, you know, why did Google trust this particular root certificate authority? Um, but it's not, a, it's not necessarily super convenient. Um, and so it's, it sort of requires full hearted faith in that system without expecting any sort of improvement or, or evolution requires, um, you know, an embracing of convenience over autonomy and, and maybe autonomy is not important to folks, right? There's trade-offs. And so I could see a world where, you know, depending on your priorities, convenience is more important to you. But I think optimistically, when we talk about how much is there in the world, I mean, it, I think it's fair to say we all can see and, and, and know of examples where some people don't have access to enough, whatever enough is, abundance. Some people don't have access to abundance. Some people don't have access to the vast resources of our planet. Some people don't have access to, access to the technologies that act like a rocket ship for human potential or a, you know, a bicycle for the human mind, as, as Steve Jobs once, uh, well, I guess he put into the popular consciousness. Um, I think he was quoting a Scientific American article. Um, but you, know, you, you could argue that um, we can all be aware of situations where there are people out there who don't have access to that human innovation rocket ship. And so, uh, that's, that's something where, you know, I think cryptography ha- is a way to do that. Not just cryptography, right? But, um, cause to some extent it, without the compute to do it, all this is, will also stay disparate. It will stay unevenly distributed. And I think these things together, cryptography and technology are mechanisms by which we can increase access to abundance, either because there is enough and we just need to get it to everybody or there's not enough and we can create more. I think it's actually both. I think we can, I think there is enough and we can get it to everybody. And I think we can create more. I think the opportunity space is vast in the positive direction. And that's why, as I've said many times on previous episodes, our potential to destroy the world with technology, you know, in terms of the nuclear weapons we've created, and and maybe even in some terms of potential other technologies we can create, I think it's offset by the tremendous potential we have to save the world many times over with, with technology. And I think cryptography is a part of that. I mean, it's, I'd say it's, it's almost, it's not debatable. It's a part of it today. I think what's debatable is whether or not, you know, there's currency use cases, whether or not, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto's, um, uh, insight that you could cryptographically represent the digital truth of energy expenditure is a part of that future. You could maybe, you could doubt it. I could see a world where, where, um, you don't think it will get popularized, popularized, right. Um, or you don't think it will get evenly distributed. I think one of the challenges that crypto has, crypto tech and crypto economics has today is um, the even distribution. Some of the best stuff in that world is not evenly distributed. It's not evenly accessible to folks that need it. And so to the extent that the possibility and the, and the beauty of that, the future it might create is offset by it not actually doing that, then, you know, then that's a limitation, right? And so what, but that's not, to me, that's not a function of the, the thing. It's a function of how humans interact and, and whether or not humans are able to get on board with the thing. So I hope with this episode that you, dear listener, um, have taken away, uh, you know, this episode is a, is a meal of ideas. Um, I like kind of this, this metaphor I used, um, I think, on the first episode about, um, you know, there's kind of this feast of ideas that I chew on and, and I want to share some of what I see in this feast. So I'm, you know, I'm pointing out these flavors in this feast of ideas. I'm going to link to some things in the show night show notes as resources you might use to um, learn up on this stuff and then get, you know, maybe if you want to dig deep or if not, maybe hope maybe this episode stands by itself and you're like, Hmm, now I, now I have some perspective on at least why I, I think crypto is part of the future. Part of it. It's not the whole future, but it's part of it. It's why I, you know, I, why I'm, I geek out over 
you know, cryptographic represent, representations of truth. I think that is what cryptography gets us. It gets us a lot. You know, it gets us secrets, uh, the ability to protect secrets. It gets us the ability to, you know, authenticate the source of things. Um, but to me, that's all just the same. It's all crypto. It's all digital truth represented um, and and secured by cryptography, which just means you know it means I can check. It means given the inform the, the information about how the cake was made, I can check that the ingredients are actually there. That's what cryptography is, and in, in a in as simple as I can put it, it's just a way to represent truth. Um, and with the way computing is going and the relationship between cryptography and computing. Um, it's a way to represent truth uh, digitally. It's how we digitally represent truth. It's not enough to to say, well, this dig- this thing is true digitally because we say it's true digitally. Um, it's it's it is it is enough. I, I don't want to say it's not enough. It is enough. Um, it's enough for a lot of use cases, and it has been enough historically. But we can we can have digital truth that we can check, and not even you know inconveniently check, but it can be convenient. And then the challenge for us technologists who believe in this is to make it so inconvenient that you don't notice just like now when you google search or you use a credit card online you probably don't don't have any idea about what's happening behind the scenes in terms of the cryptography that's uh making that all work so you know i I think the technologists out there working on you know the sort of the unsung tech and evolving it you know the people doing you know rfc work and spec work and you know that's kind of the thankless like not it's not the stuff that People, you know, they don't make movies about that. Um, but those are the heroes of the future. Those are the people, you know, not just them, right? It's the people writing code. It's, it's you, listener. When you, after this, you click on a Wikipedia article or after this, you um, click on one of the links in the show notes or after this, you, you know, you, you decide to dig just a little bit deeper into any of these things, right? Maybe, you, maybe you're like, dang, how is it that we can represent anything in math because we know how to count? That doesn't make sense. Maybe you go dig into that, right? All, you taking a bite, from one of these tasty morsels at this, at this feast of ideas, um, you, you know, understanding the flavors that make up how you view truth and, and what the possibilities might be for using truth uh, to, to bring abundance to the world. All of these things are things that I think, you know, they're, they're reasons for me to be grateful, both to pioneers in cryptography, pioneers in technology, and you, dear listener, um, to the learners out there and the curious. It's, it's a big part of why I started this podcast, is because I believe that with the right, um, presentation of flavors and the right inspiration. Um, maybe I can, if I, even if I just, I don't know, maybe I can, if I just inspire myself, you know, if by doing this, I, this, in some ways, this is a good way for me to remind myself to stay positive. Um, especially now, you know, today, uh, I guess technically yesterday, cause it's four in the morning and I started this. Oh, well, I also started this today. So jokes on me, but you know, recent news in the world of cryptocurrency, um, in the world of folks doing things with money, uh, it's, there's a lot all being put in the same box. Um, but I, you know, I sort of accept, yeah, these things are kind of in the same box. I understand why they're in the same box and it seems bleak, right? I mean, you, I think, you know, this week BlockFi declared uh, bankruptcy, uh, FTX has been having their woes. And then just 22 as a whole has been 2022 as a whole has been pretty, pretty tough. Um, but I want you to understand that, um, for me, right. And then why that stuff doesn't really phase me and why it shouldn't phase you. Um, or at least why it shouldn't scare you. Well, for one, we shouldn't live in fear. So if I say nothing else on this podcast and, and you don't li- care about any of it, if nothing else, fear is no way to live. Um, but also, you know, to me, it's about truth. It's about cryptographic truth. And, you know, FTX wasn't really a business about cryptographic truth. It wasn't part. There was, 
you know, cryptographic truth at play in FTX. Uh, there's cryptographic truth at play in, in BlockFi, right? It's, it's, it's part of what's being used to build a business. And, you know, maybe there's a lesson to be learned there and not trusting so much that just because someone is using a particular set of tools in their business, that their business is honest. I mean, I'm not saying that those businesses were necessarily dishonest. It's just, you know, again, stick, stick to the principles that, you know, I've given you today, stick to the flavors here. Where do you get your truth? How do you get your truth and how can you get it? What, where do you source your truth from? Um, how is truth presented to you when you accept it, when you recognize it, when you believe it? Um, how often are you able to check the truth that you believe in, the truth that you recognize, the truth that's presented to you? Um, how aware are you of your ability to check a particular truth? These are things, that, you know, I just want you to think about these things. Um, and, and, and truly, if you do, thank you. Thank you in advance for thinking about these things. And thank you again. I'll buy you a beer if you ever, if we ever run into each other in person. Uh, maybe not a beer. Not everybody drinks alcohol, but I'll, 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 I'll sit in the moment with you if you come to me and you say, hey, I, I, I meditate a little bit on these questions about truth, right? Um, and then I think if you do that, I think it's pretty clear if you, if you start to understand, maybe you, don't, maybe you don't check, right? Maybe you don't decide to learn enough cryptography to check. Um, but maybe you, you do that meditation, you're like, okay, I have a relationship with truth now where I understand, you know, sometimes I want to check. I know it's convenient not to, but sometimes maybe I do want to check more. And the only reason I don't is because it's inconvenient. And then you start to see, okay, wait, cryptography does let me check. In some cases, and technology together, technology and cryptography together, they let me check. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, I want to live in that world where I can check. And then when you're in that mindset, when you're in that place, um, you know, you might trust, you know, a, 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 an FTX. You might trust a BlockFi. Um, again, because, you know, Sometimes you just need that convenience. The same way I trust my bank. You know, I've got a regular old checking account somewhere. Um, I trust that bank. I have to trust that bank, right? If I'm going to use that checking account, I have to trust it. When I transfer money from bank to bank, I have to trust that that system's going to work the way I want it to. It's slow, right? It doesn't work necessarily work the way I'd like it to, but it works, right? I trust Apple Pay, you know, when I use that. Um, so I'm not, it's not, I don't want you to feel bad for trusting something. I also don't want you to feel bad if that goes wrong. Sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes there's bad people that convince good people to help them do bad things, um, with, either without knowing it or, you know, because of social pressure, they don't question it. But I want you to, you to really feel like you could take hold of your autonomy. It's not so far off. It's not so far off because you know how to count. You know how to do one plus one equals two, which means you know all of math and cryptography, basically. Um, and you've meditated a bit on truth. You've meditated a bit on what kinds of trust you place in the true things you believe in, whether that's truth you've checked yourself, therefore there's no need for trust, or truth where you, you trust it because that trust derives from something else that you've checked or has you know, truth status in your mind. Um, or even for the, the, you know, the reckless trusting where you, know, you, don't, you haven't checked and there's not really a relationship, but you know, something about it resonates with you, at least just be aware. I'd like it. I'd be super grateful if you're aware. Um, and then, you know, if you feel like nerding out cryptography, great. Technology is great. Math is great. All of these things are how these, 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 these tools that we've built for each other, um, this is how we really, um, bring abundance to the world. And so this is why I believe in it. I mean, you know, all the other episodes up to this point, you know, I've kind of walked through a lot of what I believe and a lot of how I think about things. But if you ever, you know, see me wearing a, I don't know, a Bitcoin shirt or, you know, maybe I'm saying, oh, you know, use my lightning network or I'm saying, hey, you know, you know, use Solana or whatever it is. Right. Um, 
or look into, you know, any of these technologies. I'm not saying, well, if you put all your money in this, it's going to go up and then you'll be rich. I, I just, I don't, I don't believe that about anything. I, I wouldn't believe that if, unless I could check it with math, right? That's not something I'd, I'd give any sort of derivative to, truth to. If I could check it with math and prove it with math, um, then I would believe it. And I just think typically the way the dynamics of those things works is that if everyone could check it, it wouldn't happen like that. So if everybody could check it and prove it like that, it wouldn't happen like that. So, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe take that concept of, well, if I put a bunch of money in, it'll go up and then I'll be rich. Take that concept with a grain of salt. Ask yourself, where did that truth come from? How did I get that truth? How was it presented to me? And can I check that truth? And, you know, if, if you can't even check that truth, you know, maybe trust it. Not at all. Maybe, maybe only a little bit, maybe apply some, some framework of skepticism. Um, but if there's cool technology out there, you know, if there's cool tech that is working to represent truth cryptographically, maybe ask, how can I help? How can I make sure you get this right? How can I make sure that this is convenient for me? Even if I'm not technical, I'm not technical. So, hey, if you're not technical, you're the best person to know what's convenient or not. Because technical people, sometimes we think things are convenient because we know how they work. And then like, it's not at all convenient. Just like how I thought this episode had no math in it um, because, or very, very simple math, because I didn't go too deep into the counting and I only kind of sort of went deep on addition and mathematical operations and cryptography. So, you know, if, if at all, this wasn't like the math and this was like, well, that wasn't simple at all. And like, that's the same mistake technologists make when they make inconvenient technology. And we need you, you dear listener, um, dear non-technical or non-mathematical listener. We need you to point that out. We need you to be around. We need you to be involved. Um, and, you know, at the very best, you know, maybe if you don't understand it and you don't want to understand it because you're busy, whatever, at, at the very best, um, please don't, uh, please don't just, please don't go attacking it with like, well, we don't need that right? Everything we have is good enough, right? The system as it is is good enough. Uh, cause frankly, you know, there's the, it could be, we, we could all be better. Systems could be better. And, um, I think all of the people working to make anything better, whether that's the existing systems and structures, whether it's new tech and cryptography, anything anyone's doing to make things better, to spread abundance, uh, to spread knowledge and awareness, to inspire people to get involved and contribute, to learn more. Thank you all. Um, and that includes you listener. You're here listening. So to me, you made it this far in this episode. It means thank you too, because you doing this, you getting to this point is you participating in that, that, that improvement, that getting better because you're making yourself better. So thank you. And uh, I'll see you in the, in the next one. Um, I guess I should give a shout out to the social media. If you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me, follow the podcast on Twitter at just here club on Twitter. Um, if you want to find a place, to listen to the podcast, um, other than where you're listening to it right now, you can go to justhere.club and you can put your email in there and you'll get email updates when new episodes go live. And also there are links to all the podcast platforms. So I don't know, I guess I feel like I should, I should say, <laughs> say all this stuff. Um, I don't really do ads and I'm not, not going to do them in the episodes. If I ever do ads, they won't be in, in the audio portion of the episode. So, um, thank you all. I hope you all had yourselves a wonderful Thanksgiving in the United States and a, a wonderful gratitude holiday. Um, and I hope I won't venture to speak Spanish right now because I'm incredibly tired and it's 5 a.m. And I've been up since 6 a.m. on the day before. So uh, any Spanish I come out wouldn't be right, probably. <laughs> but thank you to my Spanish listeners as well. I hope you also uh, if you celebrate Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoyed it. If not, um, I hope your week was filled with gratitude anyway. And I hope your next one is too. Uh, and I hope with some of these flavors of truth and cryptography and math and technology and optimism for the future, um, maybe that puts a little, little pep in your step and... Uh, as you feel in some kind of way. So uh, I'll catch you in the next one.